Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome back to An Adventure in History. I'm Alana Quila here tonight with Mac Burns. And uh, we're like well into summer. Summer's coming to an end. So we thought we'd bring back or bring in, we actually are bringing her back, <laughs> a guest to educate us we, about some history right here. History, some local history, historic Herself. preservation, her background. And, and, She's not been on the air before, but um, we double booked by accident. We did. So, and when we say we, te- it was uh, it's me. Technically, your <laughs> second time here, even if you didn't make it on the air the first time. So, we appreciate that you were willing to, to come back uh, a week later. So. No worries. <laughs> um, regatta, though. Yeah. Yay for regatta. Of course. And it just dawned on me. I don't know why we didn't mention this last time, but you have been part of regatta as. Your husband was an admiral's aide. Mm-hmm. Julie Flues, this or Julie Trotson this year is admiral's aide. I was an admiral's aide, Ooh. and Paulette was an admiral's aide. So everybody on the air has like admiral's ma- aide club. Yeah, has never made it up to the big chair of being the admiral, but we've Thank all goodness. participated. <laughs> <laughs> I have a connection to Regatta also. Oh, you do? That's yes. right. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. You are, you've got a, actually a better one than us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our um, our house was built by to- Dr. Toybo and Allie Forstrom. And And by 1915, it was a remodel of a Victorian home built in 1894 by a distant cousin of mine. And she was regatta queen in 1914. And our house is filled with Allie Forstrom regatta queen pictures. See, queen in 1914 certainly trumps Admiral's aid in 2009. I love that. Yes. (laughs) That's true. It does. We're off to a good start. So, Laurie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. My name's Laurie Kramer Serafin. I've... uh, I'm here in Astoria with my husband, Peter, and we are doing a restoration of the Forstrom House in our spare full-timeness, I guess. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, because you do a lot of stuff. So We, do, we do a lot of our own work. Yeah, we're going to get to that. So let's, let's because we, do let's, we have anything to plug? Nope, let's okay, go for let's it. Let's go right into it. So we're going to hit the history highlights, and then we're going to get into your background and that house and all the cool things that you're doing and have learned. So these are the uh, the history highlights from tomorrow, August 15th. Um, as always, things that you might uh, need to know if you're on Jeopardy. Right. All right, uh, or in some kind of bar trivia contest. <laughs> uh, 1057. Ooh. Oh, I love that one. You, you always get caught off guard when I go I back far, because usually I just do American history. Uh, 1057, King Macbeth is killed by Malcolm Canmore at the Battle of Lupinon, Lufanam, Lufnim. I'm not going to pronounce that right. It's it's Lump Hannon. I don't know how you pronounce it, though. <laughs> King Macbeth of Scotland is slain by Malcolm Canmore, whose father, King Duncan I, was murdered by Macbeth 17 years earlier. Ooh, Somebody revenge. should write a play about this yeah. or something. <laughs> I knew that was coming. It's, it sounds like it'd be a great play. Be very traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, 1620. Mayflower set sail from Southampton, England with 102 pilgrims on board. Oh. Are you a descendant? Yes. Of the Mayflower, <laughs> specifically. My mother's side, yes. About okay. three of them, I think. Excellent. 1899. Henry Ford leaves Edison to start an automobile company. 
uh, on this day in 1899 in Detroit, Michigan, Henry Ford resigns his position as chief engineer at the Edison Illuminating Company's main plant in order to concentrate on automobile production. Worked out well for him. It did work out well. And, and I don't know why I, that wasn't in the forefront of my mind that Henry Ford had actually worked for Edison. Oh, that's true. I, I mean, I was not shocked by that. Right. But it was not something that I went, oh, yeah, I already know that. Everybody knows that. All right. Uh, 1911. Procter and Gamble unveils its Crisco shortening. <laughs> you brought this one up before. Have I? There's you just have. something disgusting about a big giant can you know. of Crisco shortening. <laughs> All right. Um, 1914, the Panama Canal opens to traffic. Oh, that's good. Either of you been through the Panama Canal? No. I would like to do that, I think. That, that would be on my list of things to do. Uh, 1939, The Wizard of Oz premieres. Oh, fun. The flying monkeys always scared me. Oh, the entire show is terrifying. It is kind of terrifying. I mean, yeah. Have your kids watched it? Not at all. Okay. No, not even thought about it. Uh, 1947, India and Pakistan win independence. Oh. So roundabout way. Britain, right? Yeah, Yeah. roundabout way connected to the gutter party Mm -hmm. here in Astoria, because everything connects to Astoria somehow. It does. (laughs) We're like four degrees. We're like Kevin Bacon. We are. Seven degrees. (laughs) All right. uh, 1945, Emperor Hirohito announces Japan's surrender. And in in theory, that's why we dropped the second atomic bomb, because we demanded unconditional surrender. And the military leaders didn't want to surrender, but then the emperor said... We got to. What I've always been stunned at is nobody had ever heard his voice before. And he goes on radio. Hmm. And it was stunning to the Japanese people. But how did they know it was really him? Yeah, if do, they'd never heard his voice before. How do we know? It could have been some right. some dude just grabbing the radio saying, this is the emperor. We're surrendering. Right. Hmm. All right. Uh, 1961, the Berlin Wall is built. Oh. Ugh. That was almost going to be my history highlight, the, the most important thing. And, and one could certainly argue my choice here. But I went with the thing I think had the most impact on history. 1969, Woodstock Festival <laughs> opens in Bethel, New York. More than 400,000 people saw Jefferson Airplane, The Who, The Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and Creedence Clearwater Revival. That's a big one. See, I kind of think it just sets like the stage for so much. You hippies with your long hair and rock and roll music. And it did. So and I, it was peaceful. It, it had so much to do with uh, that time and that era and... I think so, that was a good one. So and, would, and haven't we learned that building walls, you know, maybe isn't a good solution always? A good always? idea. Um, <laughs> but who wants to hang out with 400,000 people? Oh, yeah. Who haven't <laughs> they showered. Didn't, they didn't plan on it. So they didn't have bathrooms. They didn't, they were like bringing yeah. in emergency supplies. And so I don't know. But it, but I think it had a big impact on history. Yep. So my history highlight of the day. Did I miss anything? You nailed it. So uh, you I missed a couple it. birthdays. I do oh, like to bring birthdays. up some birthdays. And these are three women. So because, I, you know, we love to celebrate women. But 1964, Melinda French Gates, businesswoman, philanthropist, and co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, was born. Nice. So, Happy birthday. Um, also, 1938, Maxine Waters. She's a congresswoman from California. She was the second second African-American woman to be elected to Congress. Hmm. And then 1912, Julia Child was born. <laughs> I don't know why that just made me laugh. I know. But I'm glad it made you laugh, too. Yeah. So I well, I mean, that has an impact on how we cook, right? That's true. Or, how, or how we don't cook. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a good segue, though. No good segue. Other than, than, well, I mean, I think Julia Child was trying to make things, uh, things that were hard to do pretty. And easy for people to access them. And accommodating. Yes. And yeah. 
So, not so that brings point. us to what you're trying <laughs> we're, to do. We're, we're terrible yeah, at segways. So before we get into the, the house and the history of the house, how, what, what's your background? How did you come to be in Astoria? Um, I'm originally from Eastern Washington. I went to college at WSU. Um, as a teenager, I fell in love with history and old stuff. And I loved old houses. And I knew that I was always going to live in a big old house. Unfortunately, I bought my first house at age 28, and it was a single-story colonial revival in Seattle, and about a thousand square feet. Oh. Wow! <laughs> but that was all I could afford. <laughs> okay, but you skipped over a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the the love of at a young age. You decide you like old stuff. What what was the appeal there? What, what made I that happen? I think that it was. I grew up in a town, Richland, Washington, that was, you know, the atomic city, and there was nothing old in it. Mm -hmm. And then you would travel on vacation and be just totally charmed by old buildings and old stuff and antique shops. And my high school boyfriend's mother was an antique collector, and she kind of, she took me around, taught me the general line, and I was on my way. Was there a, a specific trip or place that you remember? Because I very vaguely remember, or very specifically remember Fort Ticonderoga is yeah. something that was part of my turning yeah. into a historian. Mm-hmm. I think Port Townsend, Washington, I love was it. a real eye-opener. Um, you know, Water Street. You yeah. Know, so that kind of thing. But And going back to Wisconsin. Um, okay. Family. My parents are from Wisconsin. And what was it about seeing some of these old items or old homes that that spoke to you? I think that new homes for me um, and modern construction and new things don't have a soul. They don't have a history. Mm-hmm. And I would rather live in a place that has a story to tell and that has charm and maybe built of materials that aren't even available today. And, you know, the old world craftsmanship really speaks to me. Interesting. And I love that stuff. So you have this interest, but you go to college for? <laughs> nursing. Nursing. So why nursing? I mean, I know maybe historic preservation programs didn't really exist at that well, point in time. Well, they did. But... It wasn't the Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I looked at it, and the only jobs available were working for the, the shippos. And, um, yeah, yeah, it means you had to go live in Olympia. Mm-hmm. I was kind of a pragmatist, um, nursing, you can, lots of different things. You know, you can go oncology, pediatrics, med surge, hospital, public health. There's got to be something for you. And you can work anywhere. And you can work part-time because I knew I was never going to work full-time. Okay. <laughs> so that gave you that opportunity yes. then to dive into another world. Right. I know family members were shocked nursing you've never wanted to be a nurse yeah but it'll work and it did it was a really good career okay so talk about this first house you bought at a pretty young age 20 28 yeah finally uh, swung it at colonial revival um single story fabulous house great bones was going to be torn down i bought it from the family um for sale by owner financed by the owners <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like the house was a mess it was going to be torn down and I learned quick what needs to be done I got an inspection 
he sat down with me and said, oh, I wouldn't let my daughter buy this house. Hmm. Well, he just threw down the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it, but his inspection helped me prioritize what needs to get done first. Mm -hmm. And because my funds were limited, I had to do a lot of it myself. I was an early subscriber to the old house journal in the good old days when it was really something and hired a number of contractors that like to freelance and would allow me to work with them oh, so I could learn. And that's kind of how it started. And what did you learn? I mean, what did you t tackle? What, what part of that were you like, okay, well, I'm going to do this then. I'm going to take this one on. Well, like the bathroom remodel, um, you know, any fool can demolish anything. And so I could do the demolition. She's talking about us. Back. Uh, she <laughs> yeah. looked directly yeah. at me when she said that. <laughs> you know, it, it, you have to do it carefully, and I'm, I'm fairly meticulous in my work. Um, and then bring in the contractor, the carpenter, and it's like, we're going to rebuild this, and we're going to build a 1905 bathroom. Mm -hmm. hmm. And then you had to learn what that was, of course. And so I do that, and it's like, this is what we're doing. And did you get, I assume you would never bring them back, but did you get any pushback from manly man contractors <laughs> that, I'm not going to teach you how to do this. You're a woman. I mean, was there any yes. sexism involved? Oh, total. <laughs> total. Yeah. And you had to pick and choose your contractors because they were very um, patronizing mm -hmm. and didn't think uh, a young woman, you know, could do this kind of thing. And I imagine you were the one doing a lot of the research. Yes. It, so you knew what you wanted. I knew what I wanted. And that's one thing that is my, one of my strong points is I know what I want. I can't always articulate it, but I know what I don't want and I know what I want. Right. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I, they don't make what I want. So I have to fashion it myself. Well, and that goes back to the storytelling. So, yeah. um, so, so moving beyond that project, what came next then? Because obviously then... You felt, I mean, that was a fulfilling project to do that, um, but you knew you could do more. And yes, have. I always wanted to live in a big old house, and um, you know, we spent our lives and raised our daughter in the house, and a number of things happened where we retired. My husband and I retired well within about four or five months of each other, and a, a good friend that we helped take care of um, died unexpectedly, and we looked at each other and we don't need to live in Seattle anymore. Let's go someplace and find a big old house. Mm -hmm. And my, this is not my husband's dream. This is mine, but <laughs> he facilitates it. He, um, what do you call that? You're a good team. <laughs> I call that a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> That's what so, I call that. He's been really great about this because this is not, not his dream. It's mine. And, you know, we found, we were on our way to the Oregon coast. My parents were renting a, uh, house for the week on the coast and it's I'm go I'm on Zillow you know by Raymond and it's like oh we need to look at this house this is really interesting and I'd been looking at real estate for about six months and we looked at the house and it's like Ooh, this is it and what was your range of where you were looking coastal in Oregon Washington or? yeah okay someplace close my parents are aging and my daughter is here um yeah, so someplace within driving distance of Eastern Washington, Seattle. I'm still kind of a Seattle-based life form. <laughs> and had you ever visited Astoria before? Yes. Okay. And what were your impressions? Um, it wasn't all very positive, but of course that was as a child. Okay. Um, my dad had friends that had boats in El Waco, and we used to come. And I remember being here thinking, this is a dying little town. 
Mm-hmm. And when was that? Yeah. Roughly. Oh, 1970. Okay. Because yeah. we get visitors in the Flavelle house, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that, oh, we never used to stop here before the 90s. That in the 80s, you wouldn't even stop for gas. You'd just keep driving south or north, whichever direction you were going in. So I'm always curious. And then I ran into one guy local who said, I don't know why people always badmouth a story in the 80s. I loved a story in the 80s. And he would talk about some of the rougher bars downtown. I was like, well, we don't hear that very often from from people. So it always makes me laugh. So I'm always trying to figure out what time. That timeline. did Did you have that first impression? But you're visiting it again when you're thinking about buying a house. Right. So we've, new impressions. We've visited the Flavel house in, um, here on our way to the coast. And, mm. you know, it's an old house. I, I, they're magnets <laughs> for me. But this one obviously worked well because, I mean, you must have heard a story, too, that it's because it's not just the home, right, that you like. You like to know that there's a story behind it. So Right. Well, I knew there learned? was a story behind it. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we even bought it, I went into the census records and figured out what the um, address was. Yeah. And figured out who lived there and started researching them before we even closed on the house. Hmm. And what is the, you, you gave the house the name. There is a name for it, but. It's the Forstrom House. Forstrom House. Yeah, it so. was originally built in 1894 by um, Lulu Warren, D.K. Warren's oldest daughter, who's oh a distant wow. cousin on my mother's side, and her husband, um, Henry Thompson, who was Clatsop County treasurer. Oh, neat. But it was a one-story Victorian that Forstrom um, lifted, put it on a new foundation, rotated it, and added a full second floor, stripped mm-hmm. the house of all its Victorian ornamentation, and made it into a craftsman, modified American Foursquare. So he's responsible for what the house looks like today, so it's mm-hmm. called the Forstrom House. Okay. And was it already called that, or did you Yes, it was that? already called okay. that. All right. So what... Was there anything specific that this is the house when you saw it? When you the main salon. Okay. Have you seen it? I have, but describe oh, it. Oh, okay. For those well, who have well you, you walk in, and there's just this explosion of craftsman mahogany beams, and that were brought over by ship captains that Dr. Forster provided care for. Mahogany is a very hard thing to get a hold of in Astoria in 1915, and he has gobs of it. <laughs> And then there's the River Rock fireplace from the 1894 house. And it's quite a stunning main salon. And it has an adjoining music room, grand staircase, and library. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk a little bit about about who this person was. And then we'll talk about what you had to do to the house or what you've been doing, what you're still in the process of Mm -hmm. doing. Um, who Dr. Forster yeah, was? Yeah. Oh, well, he was born in Finland, 1867, um, graduated from Helsinki Medical School in 1897, immigrated to Astoria at the recommendation of patients in December of 1905. We first find him listed in the city directories in 1906 as a Finnish physician and surgeon. He must have been fairly successful because... Because of the home, the size of the home. Yeah, and he had a reputation for spending a lot of money and throwing money around, huh. according to the family. <laughs> so, And I, I will note, she didn't use any notes to, I know. to recount all of that. <laughs> There's no cheat sheet. There's no... <laughs> we have guests that can't remember that about yeah, their own lives. <laughs> that's right. So 
describe some of the other family members because you've you've got a a photo album that has been shared with you by a descendant, mm-hmm. and you've gotten to know a lot of the people that lived in this house at different yes. points and the connections. So describe some of those people and some of your favorites. Well, my favorite person in the house that I find the most intriguing is Allie Forstrom, Doctor Forstrom's trophy bride, <laughs> and I don't know a lot about her. I believe that she was related to her name's Allie. Uh, Lauren, I believe she's related to Theodore Lauren, who owned Owl Drug. And I think she worked there. And that was the drugstore underneath Forstrom's practice on commercial before he moved to the Spexar building. Okay. I think that's how they met. Mm-hmm. I can't prove it, though. And she's a little younger than she's him when they married. 20 years younger. Hmm. And so- she's stunning. And hmm. they were dating, and then they got married. And there's this little piece in the paper. Well, all the friends were so surprised. <laughs> and he bought the house the same month that they were married. And So he bought it for her, probably, realistically. Well, for them, yeah. 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 So they didn't have to live above the drugstore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what made you take to her so much? She's interesting. Um, she is an independent woman. She had her own cars that were licensed in her name. So she drove, which is, you know, a little unusual. She had a mind of her own. It looks like she traveled by herself. She went to San Francisco on trips with friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Looks like she kind of had her own separate life. He had his. They had their life together also. She eventually um, left him in 1925. And the family said, this is the... The step-grandchildren of Dr. Forstrom said that Allie didn't like the provincialness of Astoria. <laughs> Can she go? She makes a beeline for Manhattan, <laughs> and she lives in Greenwich Village. Oh, wow. I by, do like her. By, yeah. By, she's by Washington Square. She lived in Union Square. She lived in uh, Tuxedo Park for a while. She was a soprano. She performed on the radio. Oh, my goodness. She's a very interesting woman. Yeah, I want to know more about her. (laughs) She, according to the family, Dr. Forstrom gave her $250 a month, even though it wasn't stipulated by the divorce decree. I do have the divorce papers. And she died with a small estate at the time of her death in 1935, and then it was given to the city of New York. Wow. I could I could live in New York in the 1930s for 250. Oh my a month. goodness, that's that's some serious <laughs> money. Yeah. yeah, that would be a nice uh, money to take tide me over. Right. So yeah. She interests me, and I think that there's there's a historical fiction novel in here somewhere. <laughs> oh, for sure. That could right? be your next project. <laughs> yeah. So before we get to preservation, because I do want to talk about the, the hands-on work that you've done mm-hmm. and the things you've had to do the house, describe some of the treasures that just kind of came into your possession or came home, I should say. Came home, yeah. Um, when you're researching history of a house, it's essential to talk to the people that lived in the house or their descendants because that's where you're going to hit your gold mines. And because Dr. Forstrom did not have his own children, he had children of the, the second wife um, that were hers, there's no kids to talk to. So you have to look for other avenues. And last summer in the Come Talks was an article of the memoirs of a man who was born in our house in 1911. I didn't know that. <laughs> that looks like the Forstroms were lived in Portland for a year. So Allie could get, get out of Astoria. Mm-hmm. And 
they were the Fellmans. They owned the furniture store in town. And so I read this article. It's very lengthy. And there's a nice, about a page material about the Forstroms. Gave me a lot of insight into what's going on there. And I got on Ancestry.com. It's like, who's this guy's descendants? And I found him. His name's Bill Fellman. He lives in California. And I sent him a copy of the article. He wrote back and said that he loved the article it was he said it was just like talking to dad in the living room and he was tearing up oh it was such he he loved it and we've kept in contact and then a few months later he said hey i've got some stuff here do you want it like well what yeah and he said well i have this silver you know if you want to open a bed and breakfast you need you need silver and it's like oh yeah it's it's monogrammed with an f so Mm -hmm. Forstrom, Fellman, yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. And then he started sending us care packages this spring, and he gave us the Fellman's 1903 wedding china, another set of china, and the coup de grace was the photo album oh. uh, from the Fellman family from about 1907 to 1912. And there's all the pictures I could have ever hoped for the Forstroms. And it, it's amazing. The photo album is just incredible, and it's yeah. it's a great history. And, and what a gold mine! What a find! It was amazing, and I I always knew the holy grail of photographs would be a picture of Ali and Toivo sometime around the time of their marriage. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to, and, and uh, people we, can go to a website and see some. Of, can they see the photos or they see the house? Uh, they can see everything. I have an Instagram. Forstrom House on Instagram. Um, there's a website, theforstromhouse.com. Um, can you there. spell that just in case people yeah. aren't Oh, Forstrom sure. has two S's. F-O-R-S-S-T-R-O-M. And you hope to open it as a, as a place where people can in, stay? In spring of 2024, we hope to open a small boutique um, historical B&B, like real historical, like mm-hmm. you're staying in a museum. Yes. Yeah. And, how, and you say small, so. Two bedroom. Perfect. That's so nice. So talk about some of the projects you've had to do because you've done a lot of this hands-on. You actually have paint on you right now. (laughs) (laughs) You were painting before you came over here. I was, and I will go back to painting. Um, Well, first off the bat, we had to do a new foundation. The house was broken up into three pieces. It was moving in different directions. You know, we're in the active part of the slide zone. This is what Astoria Mm -hmm. does. So a contractor did that. Uh, We did a lot of the demolition, and we've been refurbishing the inside and we're working on the exterior real hard right now so what in terms of the 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 roll up your sleeves and do something what do you have a specific thing you like the most hey i rebuilt windows that was really cool or i i painted or i i hung new chandeliers i mean what what do you take the most pleasure out of actually recreating post-victorian interiors that's my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not really into the whole Victorian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the post-Victorian period. And so whatever that means, you know, tile, wallpaper, paint, colors, um, interior decor, just the whole package. That's And finding them, right? Well, that's part of the challenge, yes. Yeah. Do you, I mean, are there, do, are, do you have any local venues that can help you with that? Or what, how do you even start a search like that? Well, I've been collecting antiques for a long time, and I've bought and sold antiques for a long time, and things come to me. Yeah. I attract them. (laughs) So many of the things in our house have come to us um, 
through gifts from friends and family. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice. amazing. And you, I should give a shout out. You are a great volunteer. You come in and, and volunteer at the Flavel House uh, frequently, regularly. On Wednesday and mornings. And great and visitors. Yes, I know the words. <laughs> <laughs> and you also have a couple of articles that you, you write regularly. I columns, write I articles say. for Coast Weekend once a month on Thursdays about old house stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I have an article about doorknobs that appeared on Thursday. <laughs> it is useful in this town. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny to say it, but yeah. it really is. And, it, and it, it's an interesting read. I mean, it's yeah. Thank you make you. it interesting. So. And I just started writing for the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, and my writing debuted this quarter with a nice article on anaglypta and lincrusta embossed wallpaper. That's great. Nice. Yeah. Well, as we get closer to opening, we're going to have to uh, bring you back and talk more about some of the research and other things that you've discovered because it's it's a fascinating story and, and it's amazing the work that you've done and you are definitely the right owner for that house. Oh, yes. thank you. Thanks so much for coming back and talking to us, Lori. Oh. All right. Go thank make, you. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.